Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Tino, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. How can I help you? So I'm, I've got a question for a friend about a house with two water heaters, and the problem they're having is in the master bath, the very first shower of the morning does not get hot water. And then after a certain amount of time, subsequent showers work fine. And it's not just a matter of waiting long enough for the water to come. No matter how long they wait, it's lukewarm. So I was thinking, may, might this be related to a bad mix valve or a, a faulty faucet somewhere? Or do you have any thoughts on what that might be? Because they've had a plumber out who turned it on and said, well, there's hot water, it's fine, so you're good. Yeah. Well, the uh, you said it's in the shower, but does the sink do the same thing, or is it just the shower? That's a good question. And, and the reason I asked that, you mentioned two water heaters. You know, sometimes the water heaters are put in tandem, and if the second water heater's not working right, you're going to get all the lukewarm hot water out of it as the hot water is feeding from the second water heater, and after a period of time you get enough hot water flowing into it that now your water's hotter uh and if that's the situation both the sink and the shower are going to just be lukewarm but if it's just the shower doing it then you're correct it's probably in the mixer valve and that probably is a single handle faucet okay and could the if there's a mixer on the water heater itself you know to dilute the hot water could that do something like this no not not uh because there's usually not a mixer on the water heater itself the the mix is going to be take place in the faucets the hot water coming from your water heaters it is the temperature that it is and you have to mix cold water at the faucet in order to tone the hotness down okay yeah there's some of them i have one that has on the top of the water heater a shunt valve between the hot and the cold i think so that you can you can run the water heater higher without the, as much risk of burning or something. You got a scald protector. Okay. Yeah. But that, you know, I, I guess it's possible for the scald protector to malfunction, but then that would affect the whole everything that that water heater feeds, not just the shower again. That makes sense. All righty, sir. Thanks for your help. You bet. Let's head over to Sugar Land. And, Mike, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? What's the difference between ceramic and uh, porcelain tile? Oh, great question. A ceramic tile is typically going to be red in color, and then it's got the finish baked on the surface. And so if you chip the surface, you see the red tile underneath. A porcelain tile is almost always going to be white in color, and it's colored all the way through. And so if the surface chips, you're still seeing the, the white color underneath. Okay. So if you've got a darker color, then you have the... Uh, okay, which one has the red? Is that the... Uh, the ceramic. The ceramic? Yeah. Okay. And... You can see either red through there or you can see uh, white through there. Yeah, on the ceramic, you're going to see red if it ever chips. On, on a porcelain, 
the underside is is going to be white and porcelain is is normally considered a little bit higher end type tile than ceramic okay so you're saying it uh, holds up a little bit better or whatever no it, I, it, I my opinion it doesn't hold up any better uh it, it's only considered a little higher end because of the the way it's manufactured and such okay. but durability wise they're going to be the same okay so if you chip uh porcelain you're going to have uh, a white underneath correct and, and but if you have a, and the uh, wood plank that you have on there if it's very dark uh, that's going to be a lot of contrast isn't it yeah and the wood plank look is almost all i don't know of any of it that's porcelain it's all it's all ceramic steve welcome to texas home improvement how can i help you Hey, Jim. Hope the day is finding you well, sir. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've spoken to you once before. I wanted to just touch bases on a couple of issues about the ceramic porcelain that you mentioned. I've been doing tile for, you know, since the uh, late 80s. And so I'm a tile mechanic here in, in Beaumont, uh, Avanti Tile. Anyway, uh, all uh, tile is ceramic, but not all porcelain is ceramic. Porcelain, of course, is just fired at a hotter temperature. But the point I wanted to make was, and we were talking about uh, the uh, true body porcelain. Uh, much of it is, and that's great, but there are face porcelains. Where are there? Got the heart. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh. It, it, can be a, it can be hard, just like a regular porcelain, but it's just a face coating. So sometimes you will get that differential color if it chips, okay? Okay. Um, also, I have done a boatload of the wood-look uh, tile, ceramic, or porcelain, and I must say, even if you go to someplace like Home Depot, most of what they have is actually a porcelain tile. You mentioned, well, most of it's ceramic. I would differ with you there a little bit. Almost anything you buy nowadays is a porcelain, if you if you look at the box, okay? But um, in any event, uh, well, that is it, man. I think, I think a lot of it, they say porcelain, but when you really start looking at it, it's not. I don't know how they're getting away with labeling them that way. I think that what they're doing is probably a face porcelain. Again, as I mentioned, it's not a through body porcelain, which is the right. best way to go. So that that could be the differential there. And, and, and oh. that could be. And see, I, I just don't consider that a porcelain tile. I mean, traditionally, so porcelain I'm, has been all the way through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the way that I like to see it. Now, yeah. I've done a boat with this, this wood-look ceramic tile. Uh -huh. And uh, in terms of or porcelain tile or whatever... But in terms of your grout spacing, this is an issue that he brought up. Uh, I do not like to see tiles jammed together because you can get spalling, particularly if it's a post and beam house as opposed to a concrete slab. If that thing moves even incrementally, uh, uh, it will tend to chip those edges. So, right. And I've done it you know, on, on slabs and with good success. But if there's any movement at all, you do need a grout joint. And the typical TCNA and spec... And I hate to do it to you, but I, I got to stop you on that because I got to take a real quick break. That's what that music meant. I'm going to put you on hold. We'll come right back to you. Guardian Roof Systems, whether it's residential or commercial, if you're looking for a roofing contractor, you need to talk with Guardian Roof Systems. These guys do amazing work. You know, when it, when it comes to uh, windstorm areas along the coast, you know that certification you've got to get from the engineers? 
it is so critical to have that to maintain your insurance coverage. Well, Guardian Roof Systems, when they do a, a roof there, they make sure that that stays intact. And these guys have been doing this for years. I've used their services. Love it. 877-637-4380. That's 877-637-4380. GuardianRoofSystems.com. Here's Jim Dutton, host of Texas Home Improvement and owner of Due West Foundation Repair. Foundation repair problems don't go away by themselves. So if you're starting to see the signs of movement, you really need to address it sooner than later. The longer you wait, the more expensive the problem becomes. Caught early enough, it's typically just a maintenance issue. But when you wait, that's when you got to start underpinning. That gets expensive. Due West Foundation Repair, 713-473-7156. Online at du-west.com. When you want the best, call Due West. EAC Solar, the company to call if you're looking for solar power for your home. I mean, th these guys do amazing work, whether it's residential or commercial, because they start by surveying the property to make sure it's even suited. Then they design a system, permit it, and install the most beneficial system for your property. TAC Solar, 844-765-2789, or go to THIPro.com. And click on the link to TAC Solar. There's one thing for sure. The Texas real estate market is still on fire and homes are selling quickly. If you're looking to buy a home in this hot Texas real estate market, call Churchill Mortgage today and let them help give you the advantage with their certified home buyer program that can have your financing lined up through underwriting before you've actually found a property. That gives you the ability to close in 14 days or less in most instances. This is not a pre-approval letter. This is much stronger because you need every competitive advantage in a multiple offer situation. And if you need down payment assistance, they have those programs too. 713-766-9300. That's 713-766-9300. Or online at churchillmortgagetexas.com. Churchill Mortgage has heard on the Dave Ramsey Show for over 26 years. NMLS 1591-12222 Merritt Drive, Suite 1820, Dallas, Texas 75251. Equal housing lender. If you can fix it in Texas, you can fix it anywhere. Home improvement. Ah, welcome back. I'm going to head straight back out to Beaumont. Steve, sorry about that. When that music comes, I have to go. Uh, I understand. I work radio. I know where you're coming from. Look, uh, real quick, uh, Dummy's Guide to Grout Lines, okay? Yes. Uh, if you are trying to figure out how narrow a grout line you need, take your tile, rack them up on the side, you know, to where they're, they're standing upright, and look at the difference between the sizing from the smallest to the largest, okay? If you get, uh, let's say, a sixteenth of an inch, then you want three times that size as a minimum grout line. Sixteenth, you want a three-sixteenth inch grout line. Make sense? You, you lost me on that one. Okay, if, if, you, if you take five or six tiles out of a box, yeah. you set them up on, on the edge yep. where they're standing upright, and you say, oh, gee, this one's bigger than that one is. Well, measure them. Oh, okay. Say, gotcha. Yeah. Say, well, this one's a sixteenth of an inch larger than the smallest. Well, three times that is the minimum grout width that you need to do a, a custom job, a reasonable job. Okay. So you want three sixteenths inch 
if it's a sixteenth of an inch variation. Okay? Right. Yeah. And that that works every doggone time. But don't bottom up. I mean, particularly well, natural. Well, the only one they make some that are actually made to butt up, and and that's the ones I was saying. Okay, you can butt those up, but yeah, most of them require some type of grout line. You need some movement accommodation. I mean, that that's the long and the short of it in most cases. Yeah. But certainly okay. on natural stone, you don't want to butt them up like marble or something. No. You're gonna, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Much Steve, you, you, t- you take yeah. care. Have a great great afternoon. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Michael, how are you today? I'm doing great, sir. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How can I help you? Yeah, just a quick question for you. I've called before. I had some issues where I was, um, you know, getting some, some backup. Um, well, I have a, on my sink, I've got one of those uh, little little i guess uh, a deal to release uh water or anything like that if it if things get backed up and you helped me out i got that hose out from underneath and that's what it was and it turned out that i mean really anything that was in there would create that backup so it just really had to stay clean but i what the problem that i'm encountering now is when i run my disposal and it doesn't happen every time but when I run my disposal, I've got a dual sink. And so on one side, of course, disposal, on the other side, you know, drain. But when I run, uh, when I'm running the disposal at times, some of the stuff is coming up, you know, some of the stuff, I guess, from not, I don't, I don't guess, from the disposal is coming up on the other side of the sink. And I'm just wondering what I could do there or what, what I've done wrong and how I could fix it. Uh, well, that makes it sound like your your uh, drain line, you know, that exits the disposal, is got some right. type of blockage going in it as well. Because the 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 side without the disposal, it, it's going to go over. You know, they're they're linked together, uh, and and then all of it. All of it goes out through one exit, and so if it's coming up into the sink that doesn't have the disposal, that means the exit side has a plug in it, and it's, it, you know, something's blocking it. It's probably not a full plug, but you'll probably need to undo it underneath the sink, run a little snake uh-huh. through there to clean it out, and that should get it going again. Got it. So just re- just remove those. Just remove those hoses. I, while I'm under there, I'll get that other one removed as yep. well. And you helped me out with remo- previously. Yeah. And so just remove those hoses and just clean them out, and that should fix the problem. Yeah, you'll probably just have to run a snake through there. Going up to Tom Ball. Hello, Jim. Hello. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. How about you? I'm talking to you. I'm doing great. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a brick wall that's about five feet high and about 15 feet long, and attaches to the house and goes out to the driveway. It's put in in 1972 and it's starting to separate and lean out. Anything I can do besides tear it down and start all over again? Was it part of the house foundation and it, it comes out or is it just a straight wall that was built? It was a straight wall that was built and it was part of the patio. Okay. So it separates the patio, except I looked at it, and it's a little separate slab that's not attached to the patio. 
so it just looks like there's nothing underneath. Yeah. Can you, it, can you boost if, that up? Or? No, because uh, if you start trying to lift it, when, there, when it's a yeah. separate piece that way, if you start trying to lift it, uh, you know, you're point loading underneath something. You pick it up, and it becomes very tippy. And there right. there have been walls like that that have tipped over on, on guys who have tried to do that. Oh, you don't want to do that. No, you don't. I, I, years ago, there was one that ran down a road, and we had looked at it, and we declined to do the job. We told them, you need to tear this down and, and just rebuild it because, you know, it's, it's not going to be stable. And sure right. enough, somebody else came in and tried to do the job. It tipped over and killed one of the guys. And, uh, you know, that was just oh, a bad yeah. day for everybody. So, some things are just not worth the risk. You can see the writing on the wall. This thing was built. Yeah. Uh, if I build a new one, should I go in and just put a regular foundation with support underneath it? Uh, you can put support underneath it. The other thing you can do is, and, and this helps it where it can be, uh, actually worked on later is it, it needs to have some turns in it. You know, if if you come and, and say wrap the corner of the patio three feet, you've, you've yeah. now got something that's stabilized a, a little bit better where it's not just going to plain tip over on somebody. And this came from Ron in Justin. And he says, Hi Jim, I tried to call your show Sunday. That was last Sunday. But it was constantly busy. I'm not busy today. You can call in today, 713-212-5874 or 866-937-0003. Anyways, I need to know where I can buy a 32-inch solid core interior door, no frills, slab, wood door. I'm arming up the room against burglary. Well, you know what? If you're going to make a solid door room i mean basically what you're trying to build is a safe room there's a few things beyond that solid door that you're going to want as well first of all where can you get it uh you know since you're in justin if you just run up the road in uh, denton there's an 84 lumber up there they have solid core doors or can order whatever solid core door you want to make it more secure you actually can order a ironclad solid core door that's just a metal door that's got solid core inside of it uh, that actually will increase the strength of it quite a bit uh, also slows fires down quite a bit as well beyond that though the other things that you want to do if you're truly trying to make a secured room your screws for the hinges you know you typically have either three or four screws that go into the hinge Pull out the ones they come with because they're, they're usually, you know, only a three-quarter or one-inch screw. And put some in that go all the way into the two-by-four studs. So you're typically looking at needing a, a two-inch or two-and-a-half-inch screw. And do the same thing with the, the striker plate. And the whole purpose of that is to get into the solid two-by-four stud wall because that's where the strength is. When they use just those little three-quarter inch screws, and this is for your front doors and back doors as well, people. If you want to secure your house better, take some of those screws out and put screws in that go all the way into the two-by-four studs. Because the way a door is put in, it's pre-hung. It's got a one-by-four trim case around it, and all the screws are in that one-by-four. That's it. 
And it's very easy to break that and push on into the house. When you run the screws all the way into the 2x4 studs, it's not so easy. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm saying you have greatly strengthened that uh, doorway to where it is very difficult at that point to break in. And so whether you're trying to make just a safe room like you're working on here or uh, you're trying to secure the whole house, that's one of the biggest things that you can do to make things better for you. Now, I did have a call little just before we went on the air from my son. He's getting ready to, well, he's already in the process of redoing some cabinets at his house that he bought, and he's sanding them down and getting them ready to paint. And the question he was having, what's going to come out better, spraying it or brushing it? Well, if you want a nice, smooth, finish spraying is always going to come out better the issue is when you get ready to spray cabinets or something like that inside the house you got to really cover everything well because there's going to be a fine dust of paint that's going to float around and you know yes they say oh use airless and all that stuff it's still going to have paint floating all around so you have to close up the room that you're going to be spraying in cover everything extremely well and then you can spray it and you can spray inside the cabinet outside and everything all at once the whole key thing though is you got to protect everything and once you shut the sprayer off and you're you're done spraying you need to wait don't just uncover everything and, and think it's done you got to wait for all that haze to settle before you start taking all the paper down and plastic down and all that kind of stuff. If you don't, that mist will drift through the entire house. And, you know, you don't see it right at first. But you're going to be trying to dust furniture and stuff a week later, and it's going to be stuck. Because And it's not that the paint is necessarily going to stick to everything. Uh, you can get it cleaned off but it's going to take a little elbow grease and it, it does it does create problems so you know it just depends on if you want a very quick job or you want it to look like it's a new project a new project spray it you want it quickly brush it and let me tell you you can brush cabinets and stuff and it and make it look good oil base paint will flow out and come out very well but if you really look close you can still find brush marks so it, again it's just going to depend on how you want it to look in the end and how much effort you want to put in to doing the project joe this is jim how can i help you uh jim thanks for taking my call uh, i want to build a uh, a shed like a workshop in my backyard in the city of Ulysses. And I'm thinking maybe like a 20 by 30. What's more economical uh, when it comes to, if, you know, I'm going to put it on a slab. What's more economical to, is it, you know, a metal shed type kit or just to frame it up and, you know, with trusses and everything? And, and especially, you know, if I want to put maybe like a, like a, a, a ductless unit in there just to kind of help control the, the temperature stuff. What, what's your thoughts on that? You know, uh, the if you can do a metal building, they are really inexpensive to put up as compared to stick construction. Uh, 
in fact i was down at the fort worth stock show yesterday and i went by mueller's booth there and they, they were having some specials i i looked at a 30 by 40 uh metal building and 12 foot walls and they had it on special for gosh now i can't remember something around six thousand dollars okay i mean that's you can't hardly buy the material to put up the the other one for that uh and the nice thing about the metal using the steel is you have a bigger open space you know if you go with the stick construction where your roof peaks and everything you're still going to have to have the the uh cross supports in that where with metal you don't it's all open so you got the full height of everything insulation uh on a metal building and i do this on on uh, my shop here in dallas I used a bubble type radiant barrier on the walls. Okay. And I'll, that I'll that reduced that online today, yeah. Yeah, and you can reduce the temperature really realistically 15 degrees with that. And if you want to put a, a ductless system in there, you can add insulation still and go even further, but uh yeah, I, I for my money when I built my shop uh and I got Half the, the the building, I've got a shop that's 40 by 60. Half of it is office, half of it is shop area. And uh, that's what I use for my office. And definitely, I think that's the best way to go. Okay. Thank you, Jim. You bet. Take care. You know, it, it's... Uh, stick construction is great. I love stick construction. But when you're wanting those open spans, that metal building does wonderful. And so often people think, well, all you can put on that metal building is steel siding. And that's just not the case anymore. I mean, they've got it where you can put the rock on the outside. You can put uh, wood siding. You can do all kinds of different things. But you still have that open span. And that's, that's truly what sets metal buildings apart from everything else is that open span and you know sometimes uh people start worrying about the wind loads and stuff metal buildings are constructed nowadays to withstand 120 130 mile an hour winds you're going to be fine i mean it it's it truly is a the best way to go with an open span type construction selena welcome to krld how can i help you Hi, thank you for taking my call. I'm trying to find out how I can find a reliable, say, handyman in the Dallas area to do things like um, changing out the vents in the ceiling and maybe redoing pantry shelves. Do you have any suggestions or recommendations? You know, because handymen typically are isolated to basically around where they live or tend to work, they don't spread out real far, so typically your best way to find one is actually start talking to neighbors and such. If there is a hardware store or lumber yard uh, near you, you can stop in and talk with them because they'll usually know the guys as well. But uh, I, I'd love to say that, yeah, there's here's a list of good handymen, but I don't know of one. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, there's just some things I just can't do myself. It's like I need someone to do it. Yeah. But, yeah, I'll go ahead and do what you suggest, and I appreciate it. You bet. Sorry about that, Selena. 
And you know, and that is a real problem. How do you find people when there's when it's small projects like that? Because real regular big companies, they can't afford to send somebody out to do a real small project. Uh, it, it just costs too much, uh, and, and a lot of people when the when they see tickets on stuff like that, they'll say, "Oh my gosh, that's so expensive! You were only here thirty minutes." Yeah, but it took me forty five minutes to drive here. It'll take me forty five minutes to drive back. We had to get the materials and all that before we came. Time is money; it all adds up, and and so it the ticket becomes very expensive. The handymen who come out and do these little projects typically stay isolated to their small area so that they don't have as big of expenses and stuff. And, you know, quite honestly, a lot of them, they're not interested in doing the big projects. They're only interested in doing the small projects like that. But the good ones are very difficult to find. And the reason I say talk to your neighbors and friends about it these guys typically don't do any advertising or marketing because they have a circuit of customers who rely on them. And they rely on that circuit of customers who continuously call. And normally, they're going to get their new customers from their circle of old customers. They're, they just don't typically uh, take random calls and, and go out and do the jobs. They, it's it's typically a referral from somebody that they know that gets the good ones out there, and so it it, it usually is just a, a referral type program that you're going to be looking for. I mean, from your neighbors and friends. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to thipro.com. 